Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your hosts. I am Stephen Weed. He is Wally Lukashevsky. He is David Clavin. Before I toss it to the boys, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off shipping. Well, 20% off the order and free shipping. You'd think I'd get it down by this long. Wally, David, it's been only a week. Now we're back to fully week-to-week episodes. Wally, how the hell have you been? Doing real well right now. I'm actually, it it like really set in this week that we're inside a month ago. We're recording on Wednesday instead of Thursday. So like when you guys are hearing this, we're three weeks away. It is literally knocking on the doorstep now. And only way I can say it, best time of year. How are you doing, David? Pretty great. Can't complain. We're we're closing in on, just like you said, the best time of year. And Steven, how are you doing? First of all, no, before we get to Steven... I love that David has these short, tiny, crisp introductions every week, and it just makes you and I look even more unhinged. But how are you, Stephen? Uh, I'm not doing too bad. I'm a couple days away uh, from heading to Chicago, so I'm pumped. Like you said, football is getting closer. We're about to have week two of the preseason start tomorrow night. Ironically, the Bears visiting the Seahawks, so it's football. I'm here. And shout out to preseason football having more viewers in the MLB. And that's a Yankees-Red Sox game that we're talking about. Football's king. You two are a match made in hell for me when it comes to that because you're going to both shit down my throat in October when I'm sitting here watching the Red... Or, well, I guess the Red Sox won't be playing, but the Yankees playing an ALDS game when there's some shitty Seahawks-Jets Thursday night game. Hey, uh, do you want to know a fun fact? I'd love to hear a fun fact baseball isn't a sport if it was we'd have a podcast on it i do not like you that we're done we're done with that i have kind of turned it into a thing here in the off season i'm going to be asking you guys like a hypothetical during the i guess off season like i said once we get in we'll see how that's going it's going to start getting tighter with the show times but my question this week for you your life is a movie who is narrating your life and who is the theme song by, or what is the theme song, so to speak? My life is a movie, Wally, so I'm, Brad, I'm glad that that's being brought attention by you. This is situational. I kind of set it off camera. I'm going to go with uh, my narrator is going to be Bill Burr, because I think that would just be hilarious. It'd be in a Boston accent. He'd always just be shitting on me the whole time, just backhanded compliments, just shitting all over me. And uh, for the song... Again, situational. I'm going to Chicago to see the Chili Peppers here in a couple of days, so I'm just absolutely ecstatic out of my mind. So I'm going to go with my favorite song with Sir Psycho Sexy. It's nothing to do with the sexuality. I know I'm, I know I'm not sexy. I'm more psycho. But it's like an eight-minute song. It changes flow a couple times. It has like a four-minute solo. It's just a chill song, relaxed. An absolute banger. If you've never heard it, you need to go listen to it now. I know I heard it because you skipped the other Red Hot Chili Pepper songs that I chose on the way back from Canton. So I know you like that song a lot. David, theme song. Let's do it. <laughs> Shut up, Steven. Theme song. <laughs> and of course, who is narrating your life? Well, you got to have the goat of narrators in, in Morgan Freeman, I think, is the narrator of my life movie. Um I literally picked this in five minutes and I'd probably change my mind if you asked me again in an hour, but uh, that's life by Frank Sinatra is, is probably my theme song. 
nothing uh, too sad, nothing too happy, just like a steady, good song. It's the most you combination ever, too. Like, if I put those two on mine, it wouldn't work for me. But I imagine you coming home, you have a scotch. Yeah, maybe the Browns are losing. You're like, all right, I'll turn this off. Let me, like, review some 401k bullshit. Yeah, as he has a scotch out. That No, no, absolutely not. For me, I had to stick with my roots, literally, rusted root. <laughs> it's no big deal. Send Me On My Way was going to be the song because it had to fit kind of who I am as a person. And it's a little disheveled. It's a little high energy. And at the end of the day, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So I thought it was perfect. And then, of course, you're going to go narrating. I thought along the lines of Steven, I had to go with the comedian. I think that Norm MacDonald commentating my life when I'm making my idiotic decisions would be just perfect and make me feel a little better about them. RIP to Norm MacDonald. That's actually, a, that's a great choice. He would, he would also shit on you and it'd just be hilarious. Well, with his impressions, uh, a Norm MacDonald, Wally Lukashensky impression would- He was a gambling would, addict too. It would have been awesome. Talk about a match made in heaven. We have football to talk about minimal, but the real reason we're here, NFC South, AFC South predictions. Before we head over to the NFL stories, we want you to know that this NFL news this week is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're you, me, Wally, and David's age, where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, they're happening. Feels like it's every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y, Abby or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. So far this week, first week of preseason underneath our belts, I want to go right to you, David. What stuck out to you the most after just the first 16 games that we've seen so far this season? Has nothing to do with the games and has everything to do with uh, the Packers press conference. Uh, was it yesterday or the day before where Aaron Rodgers has already started his annual everyone's not good enough train? I, he called out his receivers, basically denounced them for dropping the ball, for, for you know, making mistakes and and saying they need to get better. And I just find it funny because, you know, usually we're we're six weeks into the season before we hear that, but you know it's bad when it's coming out in the first game of preseason. No, see, I love it. It's a veteran quarterback expecting a lot from a wide receiving core that's going to have to grow up very quickly. I'd rather you make the mistakes now, so in the first couple of weeks of the regular season to get ready, but veteran quarterback with the young, with the very young wide receiving core, that's what you got to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a little, I guess, on brand for Aaron Rodgers to immediately get into camp and start looking for someone else to blame. I know that's a little shot across the bow to you, Steven, but it's kind of just his MO. Now he's an all world quarterback, maybe not the most all world teammate. Is that safe to say? I mean, I think so. I mean, he's always been criticized for his lack of leadership or his style of leadership. He's never really – you can see it in training camp where he's kind of talking with the guys a little bit, seem like they're coaching up. But once those mistakes start going in the regular season games, then it seems like he's almost shunning them and he gets further and further away on the bench or across the across the field. So, See, okay. He's, he's stubborn with his old age, but he was, he's been stubborn his whole career, so I don't know what the excuse is. The part that I enjoy most is that it really has become the Ann Perkins where he has the different personality. We talk about every year. This year, it's a little different. He comes in with the nice little tank top. He's got the jeans on. He's got the nice stash. 
yesterday was playing that one college song. I can't remember off the top of my head. The, but, the Nick Cage headbuster or whatever that, that he had in his locker. He's yeah. like the 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 combination we never wanted of of the Ann Perkins and Parkinson wreck. You know, you adapt to who you're dating and Kyrie Irving. And it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. It doesn't, oh. but the only thing I have to say as a Packers fan is he's he's my weird quarterback who's kind of an asshole to yeah. his rookie that's, we, can that's make fun of him. we can make fun of him you can't say a word it's good it's one of those <laughs> i understand the criticism but you know hey at the end of the day that's my guy you better you guys need to you guys need to pump oh, a break here it's got that i know you hate it's always sunny david so you're killing me here but it's got that oh, hold on <laughs> hold on stop what i don't hate the show i just don't I, it's not my you know, show. it doesn't appeal it. as much to you yeah okay. it doesn't appeal How? to me what it's what? it's okay. but it's amazing no, I agree I, with I, it I, are amazing, I but it's it's not that to me is not that good of a comedy show. I'm not I'm less of a dumb funny than I am like like I, I like sarcasm, not active stupidity. Man, I <laughs> can this, agree this with the so first... fucking mature and as Frank Sinatra and not like yeah. dumb humor and it's always sunny. <laughs> you oh you have to scotch out in Frank Sinatra, you're not watching it's always sunny. I think that's fair <laughs> to say. All I was saying is that it's got that Mac vibe in that show where they're like, hey, let's talk naturally. Let's have a fair discussion. And as soon as you say anything against him, it's full on shouting, I'll kill your family. That is the same kind of vibe you have with Aaron Rodgers. And I respect it. I got it with Derek Carr. So I got no shame about it. The NFL top 100 is back. So what they released all the way, I want to say 60 to 100 is what they released. There's a lot of guys on here. I'm excited for the next for the next 40, 50 to come out here. So I don't know who's going to be number one. There's a couple that maybe are a little bit too high, maybe not even got on, maybe a little bit too low. David, what player stuck out to you that maybe should have gotten a better grade or should have been on there in general? There are three guys who shouldn't even be in the top 100, and they're in the top, like, 80. And it's Mac Jones, Corderell Patterson, and James Conner. Like James Conner at 80 is maybe the most confusing thing about the whole list. He had like, cancer, you know. I, I know he did, but you know, it, he had cancer like eight years ago. This is a pity play. I, I don't know, but I just like to have to have James Conner at 80 and Kirk Cousins at 99 seems gross. And I don't know. I just want them to release the metrics. I want to know how they're evaluating this list, right? Like, is it you know? top 15 at, at each position they're going based off of if so i need them to rethink the running backs list because none of it makes sense i i, I don't know it's just i mean it's it's overall one of the worst resources out there it's one of the worst nfl network's probably one of the worst resources in terms of credibility for the nfl funny enough so who's it mike silver still works for the program so you know hard time believing that that can be a credible source for any kind of information on the NFL, but I just, it's a bad list. I try not to get shocked by it, but every year or something is just like how it doesn't make sense. Like at all, it just doesn't make sense. Well, I wonder what the rest of the running backs are going to, how, how many are going to be in that list that he's on there. But James, I mean, James Conner had a great year scoring. I wouldn't look at yardage, but the dude was a touchdown machine. I would know because I dropped him from my fantasy team like week three, don't know why he drafted him. Then he started popping off. So I thought he had a solid year, but Wally, you've been churning and burning on here. What's wrong? Talk well, to us. No, I just been laughing. First of all, Kieran James Connor get mentioned this many times on an NFL podcast in 2022 is hilarious. I do not get, I do not get 
The, yeah, the touchdowns are great. I understand your point there. The guy is good for like three yards of carry. He has no vision. He's slow as molasses. The only running thing in Pittsburgh, and that was why I made that little uh, comment about the cancer. That's all you would hear about whenever people were ready to criticize James Conner in Pittsburgh. It was, well, he's this heroic kid. He's fought through so much. That's great. And I'm proud of him. That's great that he got through it. He's not a top 100 player. He was never at any point a top 100 player in the NFL. And this just makes me feel good to say that I refuse to watch this show. That's the part of the reason I put this on the rundown. I refuse. If Derek Carr's not on the last night, I don't give a shit. Okay. Yeah. You need to calm it down. So uh, 15 touchdowns. 15 touchdowns what he scored. Just in – in his rushing you can also add three touchdowns receiving so 18 total touchdowns just under 800 yards wow how many right pushes goal line is probably his specialty. 300 probably three point, goal carries. line is his specialty three yards is within his wheelhouse of scoring all right all right after God. three yards he's getting stuffed i you know like when they're at the goal line on the one it's james connor's in his sweet spot i'm sorry that you picked the james connor train to be the one that you're going to go down with here I'm not going to go down with uh, Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading off stats just to give everyone some insight here, guy. Uh, you are right. 3.7, though. Oh, uh, I 3. mean, 7 yard for good for him. It's higher than I thought. I think yeah, I could get 3.7 yards behind the quality O-line in the NFL. I'm just saying. I think I could do it. I think I could find the hole and get 3.7 yards. At worst, I'm Trent Richardson. At worst. <laughs> That's a pretty bad. Don't say at worst. That's like the worst you can. Uh, you know, like 3.1 yards per carry. It's still better than the average guy, right? <laughs> can you believe the Browns got a first round pick for him after his Yeah, I love season? the Colts. Wow. <laughs> the Colts are awesome. For me, Wally, you're going to be all over this. Russell Wilson at 61 kind of had me scratching my head. I thought that he was a little bit high strictly. Yeah, I know he missed a couple games. He missed, well, he missed three total, but the dude looked horrible. He had arguably his worst year of his career. I get it. He kind of sped back a little bit quick with that. What was it a pinky or a thumb injury? I understand that they weren't really passing the ball a lot in Seattle. doesn't matter if Russell Wilson's good enough to go out there and play. You're going to hold him to that standard. He barely even cracked like 3,200 yards. I don't care if he missed three games. I thought that he was a little bit too high on here, but maybe he can kind of shove it where the, where the sun don't shine here. And, uh, if the season endeavor, I'm not really too sure. If you're going based off of careers, he probably should be higher on the list. He's probably a legacy play. I mean, most of the guys in the top 50 are legacy plays. If you've had a good career, you're coming off a bad season, you're probably still making the, the top 50 on these stupid lists. 61 is, if you're going based off of last season alone, obviously probably not ideal. He's probably somewhere in the 80s, if we're being fair. Because isn't didn't Derek Carr like sixty eight or something on this list? 60. I saw he was sixty through seventy. I didn't. I told you I haven't watched. I just he's, knew he's in like the mid to high sixties. And frankly, he had like a way, way, way better season than that. If we're being totally fair to him, so that's. I mean, the whole list just doesn't make sense. I, I'm I'll die on that hill. It's just a lot of things don't add up unless you go. You know, unless you're looking at some some weirdo from NFL Network who. Is like, oh, Russell Wilson, he's won three Super Bowls. He's got to be ahead of Derek Carr. You know, like, it's got to be that, like, that thinking going into it. It is voted on by the players, though. That's the thing. It's not just so many Joe Schmoes. These are guys who are actually lining up against them, and, you know, it's amongst your peers. But that also sucks, though. 
I, I mean, because then it, that's where you get the legacy factor into it, too. It's like, oh, my God, we grew up rooting for idolizing Russell Wilson. Some of the rookies out here were in high school when he won his Super Bowl. Maybe, I, I think it was high yeah. school. So, I mean, they grew up on this guy, and all of a sudden they're supposed to be like, oh, this guy sucks. It, it's one of, I guess, my hangups with the NHL. They do a very similar thing. Instead, they vote on, like, position groups or awards like this or player-oriented and guys like Sidney Crosby, as much as I love him, he's going to dwarf a lot of the names on there because it's Sidney Crosby. Like if baseball did it, Albert Pujols might still be, they probably maybe not top 100, but you're going to have him grossly overrated because the players are saying, dude, I grew up with this guy. I'm not going to vote against him. He's got that dog in him. Well, that's what I think the Pro Bowl is for. I think the Pro Bowl is the legacy votes because there's people that are getting outplayed. These older guys, these like, these ex pro bowlers that are maybe in the tail end of their careers, they start getting all these votes because they're just a more known name. But I think with this guys that line up and they look at it more, more of a context of a, of a full football player. Like you understand the, the work that they put in the craft that they are, the way that he's throwing the ball versus other quarterbacks that they played or, or other receivers that have caught from him, gone to another team, stuff like that. So that's the aspect I like, but Russell Wilson too high. The only thing I'd say is that, like the Pro Bowl, it doesn't matter. And neither does this. All that matters is Nick Chubb in the top five. <laughs> I love that. I love that, about that Well, we'll go to one Wilson to the next. Zach Wilson, in Wally's words, scared Jets fans to death. There's reports in the preseason game that he potentially had torn his ACL. And we ended up finding out that it was actually – it's like a meniscus break with a little bit of bone bruise. It's a non-contact injury. Only going to be out two to four weeks. Had surgery. We're good to go. Wally, I know that's your boy. And thank God, Zach Wilson's mom's friends are safe because who do you think we're going to be the, by the bedsides? Not his mom, all of her friends. Well, it's probably Joe Flacco's wife with him in the, the film room right now. I told you. They're both on the hot seat. Zach you Wilson right. and Joe Flacco's marriage. I am going to cheat and kind of combine this with the first question we did today, because this is kind of what stood out to me most is that I didn't realize, or I guess I should have and didn't, or I failed to, is that Zach Wilson and Mekhi Becton mean so much more to the future and the idea of success that the Jets have than I guess most people realize. If he went down, especially right after Mekhi Becton, we're talking about a team that some of us had is like an eight or a nine win team, even like a month or so ago. And you'd be talking about number one pick in the draft. I mean, if you're rolling out Joe Flacco or even Mike White, when it's not a, a fluky start, how are you supposed to win with that team? Especially now, again, no premier tackle on that team. I know the line's still solid, but it's just a team that has a lot of holes. And if Zach Wilson's not the guy, I, I mean, Jet fans are really back where they started about a year ago. So this is a huge win for them. I'm happy Wilson's coming back sooner. Um, I, I love your point on if it's kind of like a, a hope thing where, you know, Beckton and Wilson are, are kind of like if they're there, like, you know, you have hope for the future. But if they're not, maybe not so much. But as you uh, alluded to in your in your response, I don't think that the Jets are winning or losing with Zach Wilson, like in any significant direction, one or the other, with or without him. So you know, it's a moot point. I'm glad he's back because I don't like seeing guys hurt, but I don't think the Jets are winning with or without him. This is a pro Joe Flacco podcast. Where's this hate coming from, Wally? Mike White, stud. 
He was a stud last year. <laughs> For two games? I was going to say, are we doing this? I'll take it. I'll take it. I've seen people get paid in the NFL for less. Shout out to my boy, Matt Flynn. Oh, God. All right. Well, let's go to our last little topic before we get into 911 rapid fire. And that's just going to be us looking at the quarterback controversies about a month out. So we've been hinting at the Seahawks for quite some time. We'll probably save a lot of the fireworks for a few weeks until we get more into that. But David, we'll start with you. What are your takeaways, quick takeaways? from the Seahawks quarterback controversy between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. You want quick? Geno sucks. Drew Locke's the starter. Sign, seal, and deliver it. Put it on a poll. They both suck. One sucks a little more than the other. I think that it's Drew Locke. Therefore, Geno gets a start. Steven, tiebreaker for the day. Where were you going? Drew absolute lock. I hate you. That's fitting though. No, me and DK are on the same page here. You're you're comparing 21 starts to 34 starts. That's almost a full season of numbers. Shitty numbers. Nonetheless, I'll back you up on that one. Shitty numbers that were, that were missing from Drew lock. I, I got the numbers, right? If, if you bump it up, if you bump the numbers up for Drew lock to have 34 starts, he would have about 40 touchdowns of 36 interceptions at a 59% completion percentage so the same you know, team Smith, that russell wilson's going to step into and apparently they're a super bowl contender he has better stats than the new york oh, Jets 10 years ago. Team. thanks gotcha that is not the same team oh that's Fuck great off. though the same same team but with a few pieces is a super bowl contender now but was terrible true luck gotcha sounds good man <laughs> that's how important the quarterback position is exactly it sucks they he both suck, suck, but Geno sucks all oh, ten times worse than Locke. Geno looks so much Gino, better last your year. Your intent is to not even compete. Geno looked better. Geno looked better in a worse situation last season. Last four season. games, he went five hundred and did nothing. He did nothing. Oh, so now, to, now quarterback wins is a team's win when it's Geno Smith. It is a team win. It's a. Oh no, no, now it's a court. No, no, that's my point. Now it's a quarterback stat when it's Geno. No, it's just fucking like he didn't do anything. He didn't have any impact. He was just there. He, he didn't showed have any up. Impact. It was he didn't turn based. the ball over. It was Drew attendance base. Lives Who to cares? turn the ball did, over. Did he lead victories? He had chances. He had chances. Smith has more turnovers than touchdowns. And Drew Locke's the opposite. I can't. I'm telling you, three weeks, people. I know, like, like, no, like no. in two years. In I'm two years, you. Drew Locke almost has as many as many total stats as Geno Smith. And Geno Smith's been playing for like eight years. He's not and how good. is that going to feel when Geno either wins the job and is the better quarterback on this team, or he's Drew Locke wins the job? The opposite Vince Young coming in. Geno's going to come in halfway through the season because Drew Locke has like two consecutive bad games, and then Geno's instead two. of going eight and no, he's going to go zero and eight. That's it's the opposite of the Vince Young rookie effect. That's what's going to happen to Geno. The next three weeks before we have our season preview, you guys brainstorm. You at home brainstorm. We're going to have some kind of fun bet on this. Might not be dollar amount, but it will be podcast content right. related. I mean, shit, I will. I'm so on the Geno train now. I didn't care about this a week ago. I did not care. I We're poking was, the bear. It was, I was out here thinking everybody's happy. They both suck. I just prefer the one that slightly sucks less. Instead, now I'm going to have like a Geno Smith jersey, and you guys are going to be like talking me into like wanting to root for him. That's what you've Are you done. Let me finish the Geno Smith stats. I, there's nothing to finish. I, you know what? I know my truth. I know my truth. 
I know my truth. 34 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, 58 and a half completion percentage. Way worse than Drew Locke. I know my truth. We're Wally's recording right now in Pittsburgh. A little bit of a quarterback controversy there. Mitch Trubisky getting a lot of the first team reps. He's projected to be the starter. Seems to be safe, but Kenny Pickett looked awesome. He looked awesome his preseason debut. Let a game-winning drive about like four minutes, 17 seconds. I don't know how long it was exactly. Doesn't matter. Let him right down the field. Slow, steady. Won the race. Nice touchdown pass with three seconds left against the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks, actually. David. How do you think uh, that's going to pan out there in Pittsburgh? I think Trubisky is going to start for the first half of the season and Pickett will finish when the Steelers come to the realization that, you know, if we're going to play some average QB or mediocre QB play, we might as well play our rookie and get some experience in him. You know, their defense is still good enough to win eight games, so I don't think they're going to be that concerned. But by the end of the year, I think it's I think it's going to be Pickett. I just don't think – He's not going to be better than the other options they have in the QB room, but, you know, he's worth the risk to play because he's the rookie. Do you have a game, an idea of what game you think that he's going to be put in? I'm thinking the third or fourth, honestly. That early. I yeah. could see. So in that division, for sure. You got you to stay ahead in that division. What, what games? I could honestly, you know what I could really see happening? Uh, the whole Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick to uh, – back and forth, some halves, like mismanagement nonsense by the Dolphins, like that that whole back and forth, hey, you know, Fitzpatrick's playing really bad this half, let's throw in uh, Tua. I could see that happening to the Steelers where they're in like a, hey, you know, in practice, Trubisky is so much far and away better that like we have to start him, but then we, you know, we get to the games and and he can't do anything. I I wouldn't be shocked if – Maybe it wasn't like halfway through the season. If it was like every couple games, all of a sudden you're seeing a half of of Kenny Pickett because Trubisky is doing so miserably bad. And I don't know if Tomlin would do that because he's actually, you know, one of the best coaches in the NFL. But I just like I don't know what you do in that scenario because I don't I couldn't predict a game Trubisky's going to be terrible because some games he'll be, you know, he'll look like an NFL starter. And then there will be two games in a row where. I'm not sure he could be a backup to most quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, I don't have a game in mind. Um, but if it's not going to be like a, a certain game, it's most definitely going to be going back and forth between Trubisky and Pickett, which will just hurt them both over time. I think I found the game. I First of all, I completely agree with both of you. <clears throat> David, you first on – that's exactly how this is going to play out. I mean, Rudolph won't be on the team here. There, I mean, you're, there's already rumors that he's going to get moved. Detroit seems interested. That's a kind of a really weird team to me. They'll bring in Mason Rudolph, but even so somebody's going to bring him in. He's a very good backup. He's a backup quarterback and he's a good one, but this roster roster, this schedule is brutal in the first two months of the year. They go to Cincinnati to start. Let's just go doomsday with all these games. Let's say it's 0 and one. They'll play the Patriots week two. That's not a guaranteed win. That could be a loss. They play the Browns. Who knows what's going on with Watson? That could be a loss. That could be 0-3. They'll beat the Jets. Like, just realistically, they'll beat the Jets or 1-3. Yeah. But then listen to this stretch. The Bills on the road. Tampa Bay at home. At Miami, where Miami is going to have their own kind of identity stuff going on throughout the year. And then at Philadelphia. There's a real chance they're 2-6 and six or 1-7. and seven. And if that's the case, why not play him against either the Saints or the Bengals at home. You get two straight home games. It looks like that's right after a bye. 
It is. The Eagles game is leading up to the bye week. It seems like the match, or I guess a perfect scenario for Pittsburgh to at least throw Kenny Pickett out there and not throw him to the dogs. That is that October slate. I think I have the Steelers in a, in a really bad scenario for the season. Uh, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, but my over-under for them is a way-under, and I'm scared about it. But also, like, as I was going through the schedule, kind of like you just did for the first half, I was just kind of like, I don't know if they can win these games. Like, I I like, think I had the wins starting, like, from? two and six or something ridiculous. But I just, like, even on a good day, I, like, they're, most of that first month, the only 50-50 games are, like, the Browns. <laughs> It, and that's that's if Deshaun Watson isn't playing, right? I, it's just kind of wild. Well, and that Jets game is not exactly a game that knowing them, I mean, they could lose that. that I mean, that's a game right. that plays into like their flaws. So I could see them losing that game. Honestly, the Saints. We'll see what that defense is looking like. That deep that defense added some nice pieces in the Honey Badger. They added nice pieces with Jarvis Landry kind of in there with Alave. Maybe what that offense will look like if Mike Thomas is looking better than that slow-ass Instagram video that he had like two weeks ago. Even going a little bit further here, Wally, the Saints aren't a cakewalk. You got to play the Bengals again in Indy, the Ravens twice, as, as well as the Raiders and the Browns once again. I think the urgency has to be high here. If you lose if you lose the against the Bengals and the Browns, you're going 0-2 quick in that division. And you cannot be drowning that quickly in that division. And then, yeah, you have the pass. That's a stout defense. Why not give the kid a chance? To David's point, if you're going to have average quarterback play, why not get the kid that you invested in at least a little bit short-term, maybe long-term, and getting him the reps against great defenses against the Bucks, the Bills. Yeah, get those reps in there. New signing here. The safety is getting paid. NFL history, yada, yada. Stop me if you've ever heard me about the a contract here this year. Derwin James with the Los Angeles Chargers signs a four-year, 76.532 mil. I got right down to it. That's what I saw in the report. Had to put it. Highest paid safety in history. He's going to get $29 million in year one, which is also going to be a record. I'm not really big on pay, paying safeties, especially when his injury is prone as he is. Wally, what do you think about the signing to that Los Angeles Chargers defense that might be making top three here this year? He's kind of a guy like Clavin's Browns with Nick Chubb. Have a position player that is so good at a position that you don't think is premier that you have to find a way to bend a little and find a little room for the guy. Derwin James, I don't know if if people aren't watching the Chargers a lot, he's a tractor beam to your eyes when you watch him play. He is every play at the ball carrier – any pass play, it seems like he reads it correctly. He knows where he is going. He is so worth this to me. And I am the same person that shit on oh, quite a few teams in this last year, the Bengals, for even entertaining Jesse Bates with what's coming up. This is different. Derwin James feels like a leader and a catalyst to that defense. And especially with a team right now with that quarterback on the rookie deal, why not go really hard? He's elite, but I think he's elite at not just the safety position. To me, he's a defense. He's like a true defensive back. He he can play anywhere, whether it's safety, in the box, zone, man defense. Uh, he can do it all at the highest level. Um, and he's got it. You know, to your point, he's got instincts. Like you, he is on the ball wherever the ball is. And to your point, he, he is a tractor beam for your eyes, right? Um, but the concern is how little he's been on the field. So. 
it's not whether he deserves the money, but the guy played what he played the full season in his rookie season. Then he played five games in 2019, zero in 2020, and then he missed two last year. So he's got two almost full years sandwiching almost no games played for two years. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how much of this contract he actually plays game wise, because uh, right now, I mean, those are scary numbers for a guy who's only played 60 percent of total available games in his career. I, I like he deserves the money when he's healthy. Absolutely. But I mean, to only be healthy in 60 percent of your team's games that those are scary numbers to me. They are just printing money in L.A. If it's the Rams, if it's the Chargers, because they just paid J.C. Jackson a, a pretty penny, too. Didn't they just recently pay Mike Williams as well this offseason to stay at least last offseason or maybe an extension midway through? I don't have Justin the numbers, Herbert. but I'm pretty sure that he did get extended. Yeah, he yeah, did. Justin Herbert, you still got a couple more years with him on that rookie deal. So are Chargers kind of building not only to win that division, but maybe win now with their Super Bowl window salary cap wise? The uh, It's a good deal. It's a great deal. It is. But even if he doesn't play a single game of the entire deal, the biggest loser are the Bengals of the whole scenario, because Jesse Bates ain't he ain't going nowhere. And if I were him, I probably wouldn't be playing. Seeing that contract, no, knowing I was more available, I had probably more of an impact on my team the last like in the most recent season. I wouldn't be playing after seeing that contract get signed. Okay, I've got a couple questions for you guys here. I'll start with the one that you just reminded me of that, David. If, because of this extension, does this change Jesse Bates' franchise tag number or since they already signed it, like he was already set up with the top five safeties going into the season or going before this deal, do you know? I think it's uh, based, I think they don't, I don't think those numbers change. I think they're based on last year's salary numbers. And that would explain the league year as soon as that resets that's right around when the franchise tag comes out right i think they i think they do it based on last year's number because if they kept having to change it like it wouldn't benefit like every single team would have to franchise tag every player day one because the longer you'd wait you know the higher the franchise tag would be and some teams wouldn't be able to afford it and then going back to the chargers defense for a second and derwin james kazir white was let go this year I have been all offseason. A lot of people have talked about how he's a guy that out there with the Chargers, he really kind of made that defense go. And they chose to retain the injury-prone Derwin James. And I think that leads me to, I guess, their thought. Does this Chargers team win the Super Bowl without Derwin James? The answer is no. Can they win with Derwin James? Yes. And right now, for better or worse, everybody in the AFC West, thinks they're a Super Bowl contender. So that's where I think that this deal gets done. See, with the addition of Khalil Mack, that's where I think it's going to separate that. They're going to be able to get after quarterbacks. I would say I would say Khalil Mack's a little bit more important just because of what he also brings to the other side. Because now Derwin also has the compliment of having J.C. Jackson. So he really gets to focus on one part of the field because he can trust a lockdown corner. So I like the argument. I want to go as far as I think that they could win without Derwin James. I don't know if they can win without a pass rush. With talking about injury prone, it feels like Joey Bosa's out there. If he's had concussions in previous weeks or ankle injuries, whatever injuries he's had, to have a reliable other side to a pass rush, I would I would think is a little bit more but, important. Okay, but to your question, 
if you were a Chargers fan, would you rather lose Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack or lose Derwin James in the secondary? Because I think I would, if you guaranteed one of their health, i take one of those guys on the pass rush and keep Derwin James to keep the back uh, half of the field protected at least. Oh, no, yeah. Well, you're giving me two options. Would you rather have Joey Bosa get out or Der- Derwin James? Now, that's a more – that's a hard I think question. I take that's Derwin James. James. I think I'd take Derwin James because I think he – Bosa's a freak. Don't get me wrong. Bosa's a freak. But he's not top five at the position, in my opinion, all things considered. Derwin James went healthy. I can make a real strong argument is maybe even top three at that position, if not the best, right? So, like, I'm taking impact and value at the position uh, of Derwin James there, even though I'm one of the biggest believers in a pass rush before anything else. I'm surprised you haven't said anything about Jamal Adams, Wally. He's basically a linebacker. After last week, I I felt bad, like, bullying the guy. What's what's interesting too is after you you brought Coolio Mack into it is who's playing the right end? Is it like are we moving Bosa? Are we moving Mack? Or are we doing the scary thing and putting Bosa at left end and Mack at left outside linebacker and just saying have fun because that's scary. Even imagining one of those guys moving inside on like third and twelve, you don't need them to be on the outside. Imagine a scenario where you have Bosa and Mack on the same side of the defensive line. Where all of a sudden, imagine that right guard, that right tackle doing the, the gulp at the line. Uh, good luck, man. Like, Godspeed. I got my own problem here. Sorry, that was good. You're, yeah, I I was just laughing about how scary that would be. Looking up as like a right tackle. Even like, if oh, Max didn't get falling off. My family goodbye yeah. this morning. Even if even Max, if Max falling, falling off. off, that's like, to be honest, Von Miller's falling off, but you put him in situations and suddenly he looks like Von Miller of old. If you get like when he knows he's got to turn it on, he's Von Miller of old. Khalil Mack's going to be the same way. I don't care. Even if he, he might not have fallen off for all we know. For all I know, he's going to come back and have 16 sacks this season. But like, let's say he has fallen off and he's still a, like, that's still scary. He still can one on one any right tackle in the league. You can't not, you can't double him and not double Bosa. You can't double Bosa and not double him. Like, somebody's getting through quickly somebody somebody is getting past that offensive line quickly Derek Carr better watch out that's all I'm saying no he's got Alex Leatherwood on the right side he'll be fine oh see that's all they have to do there David <laughs> he just got just get a Khalil Mack Joey Bosa stump move I mean you might as well just do oblivion you might as well just park a barn in front of the line because he's not <laughs> moving so like he's just gonna be an obstacle in the way I, I guess that works <laughs> I don't hear it. Uh, this is not a podcast for Alex Leatherwood slander. It doesn't happen. I'm mean, just going to cut Alex all of that. He would he would look like he's looking for the light switch when it's dark in the room, trying to fucking guard that stunt. Whatever. I we're moving on. <laughs> Are we? You. We're moving on. Your love for Leatherwood, man. Your love for wood alarms me. All I have to say is, uh oh, what's that noise? Because it's nine one one rapid fire time. <laughs> it just felt like after Leatherwood, I needed alarms, and they were already in my head, so I got them coming out again here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> to change the topic, and God, this is it pisses me off. We have to go actually to a topic that'll make Stephen happy for a second. A couple players activated off the pup lifts this week. We have Ravens cornerback Marcus Peters coming off his ACL. That's secondary desperately needing a little bolstering after last season's injuries. 
And then three Packers coming back. I won't even go into detail, Stephen. We'll throw it to you. Who you got coming back and how big of a deal is it? Uh, the Robert Tanyan, number one tight end. Yeah, we have Mercedes Lewis and a couple young guys that we got, you know, a little bit late in draft. Jo- Joshua DeGura. Uh, can't remember the other guy that we got. But I like the Robert Tanyan. I, I've seen the recent interviews, and obviously with the Devontae Adams departure, he is kind of taking it upon himself to want to be that number one receiver, so to speak, with how, again, how young that core is and how young that wide receiver room is. And talk about injuries. God knows how long Randall Cobb can actually stay out there. Elton Jenkins, if you don't know him, you need to. One of the most athletically gifted guards, tackles, whatever. He can play anywhere on the field. Anytime you put him, he played about three different positions. He played both guards and left tackle before he tore his ACL, just like uh, David Bakhtiari did before there. Christian Watson, of course, just need to get him in first team reps. Love to see him back on the field and actually want to see some tape on this guy because all we've talked about is Romeo Dalbs there. I want to see what our second round pick the guy that we decided to pick defense for side now marcus peters good for him to come back secondary needs him um i think marlon humphreys is the best one to have him back he had a little bit of an off year with some injuries last year having marcus peter back his number one corner is going to be great i have nothing to add to that at all i i, I, I literally didn't either yeah, yeah. Bill I, I just wanted to say that because you know i don't want anyone to think that we're just laughing at steven on on mute or something <laughs> I, I just have nothing to add. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. So good for you, Steven. Uh, I guess we're happy for you. I guess marginally. Bill's rookie punter. No, no, we're, we're, you, we already gave you your due. We don't, we don't gloat and Sorry, dwell I'll... on your happiness. We don't do that go... here. <laughs> Bill's rookie punter. Matt Ariza. Ariza? Ariza? Does anybody know? Cool. It's Ariza no now. No idea. Yeah, I, I mean, it's Matt Areza now. Matt decided. Big Dick Areza, baby. And boy, does he ever. If it's not a dick, it's a leg. And he's got three of them because 82-yard punt in the preseason opener, it's the kind of stuff that we were kind of teased about going into this offseason, that we had three punters coming into the league. And it's weird to talk about punters this way, but they're going to change the way we look at special teams. David, I'll throw it to you first. I don't know if you had a chance to see this punt or not. But this guy is a literal weapon. Unironic, he is a punting weapon. I, he's a freak. Look, 70 air yards on a punt. And, and, and not to steal this from Pat McAfee, but he literally said it on his show. He said, even if you have a jet stream behind you, 70 air yards on a punt is insane. It is insane. That is to, to put that in perspective, most kickers off of a running start and a tee can't do that on a kickoff. Like, that is unbelievable for a punt. And then he gets, you know, another, what, 12 yards on, on a roll, as if that matters. 70 air yards, if he, can, if he can do 55 air yards on average, he's the best punter in the NFL. But if he can get into the 60s, let's say this this is him. Let's say that's not just a one, you know, that's not just a total one hit, one off wonder. Let's say he can literally kick 60 air yards every time. That is best punter in NFL history stuff. So, like, I kind of want to see that because that changes the entire dynamic of a punt. That you're literally putting them in their own red zone to start every single possession, no matter where you are on the field. That's that's bonkers. He better not be a, a one-hit wonder, or he might, or he might just be like D uh, once you tried out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, D- David, you want to understand, but I do love the chub that you're getting for 
uh, for this kicker. I mean, it, Pat McAfee, he is the puncher source. It's for for the brand. I'm going to the Bills-Browns game here in November, so I get hopefully we'll be able to get to see this dude live, get a punt in there, because I that's all I'm going to watch. I'm just watching for the punt. And I'm always here for somebody that makes punting or kicking cool. Don't ever, you know, don't ever fucks with a punter. I had a buddy that kicked for our football team in high school who played soccer, and he would bomb it. But I could not imagine if he was able to do that. Kind of cool that we're turning it into, like, special teams is something that people actually want to get into because we're going to see a lot of different things. Dave and I, when we were in school, we had a player on our team that ended up going and tried out. He actually made a roster in the preseason not too long ago. It didn't work out, but that's how cool it was that back when we were at practice, I would turn around in the middle of, like, normal drills to see – is this kid Ross going to make this 50 yard field goal just casually? It's I like that. It's kind of turning into a thing in football. Yeah. I mean, that's so Steve, I, I don't know how much you know about Walsh Jesuit football, but we had, uh, we had like the second best special teams in the nation. We had like the third best kicker and the second best punter. Uh, Drew Kayser actually played with Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. And then Ross played at Duke. And I think Ross went undrafted, but I, I don't know if Kayser did. I think Kayser might have He got fucked by like Nick a... Folk, by the way. If Nick Folk yeah. doesn't exist, Ross Martin's still kicking in the league. Right. And and I, Drew Kayser played for the Chargers for like two or three seasons before he got cut. But like we literally had like the best kicking you'd ever see in high school football. And that was it. That was all we had. But that it was, was it. Great. But that was so fun because we'd be in practice. We'd be turning around early as I was. There's like the 11 on 11 drills. I'm like, oh, 50 yard field goal behind me though. That looks more inter- like interesting today than watching another eight yard dropped pass from someone. When you're sitting there watching it live, it's, it's insane. It's, it's fun to witness. Someone just, bomb it with their foot and you're like dude i can't get this off the ground what about justin reed hitting a 60 yard field goal um where was that over wherever he was at in a preseason game he also kicked the neck or he kicked the pat as well in the preseason he game. made a 60 yard it had to have been like oh, it was, it was been like warm-ups or a practice or something it wasn't but still that's i mean that's really cool i mean ocho cinco did it probably 15 years ago when the bengals were playing new england these guys are athletes i mean this is something that we need more athletes that are kickers and punters you'd see some really cool things i mean imagine you brought up jet streams david last thing and we'll move on to our previews here jet stream with a raise up last year in that bills what uh bills patriots game can you even imagine the yardage you would go both ways if he's kicking into that jet stream he's probably still throwing a 30 yard punt at it and then the other way he'd probably just pump through the uprights on the other side facts All right, well, let's get into some AFC, NFC South previews now. As always, we're going to go AFC first. We're going to go from the last place team last year up to the division winner, which means we're going to start in Duval with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Over, under, set at six and a half wins. Do you have them hitting the over here? And what do we have to look forward to with the Jacksonville Jaguars? I'm I'm on the under train. Um, they added a lot of pieces, but nothing, none none of those pieces affect the win column to me in in aggregate. Like even all combined, none of them affect the win column. I don't think the losses affect any of the win column. I I'm not a believer in Trevor Lawrence. You know, we'll see with a new head coach, a new coaching staff that isn't upside down and functionally ill. I just I have them at four and thirteen. I, I simple as that. I'm taking the under on them. I'm riding the under with it as well. But 
there's a couple coin flip games that I think I took I took Jacksonville with, but I have them going six and eleven, just barely. I th- I think they will look head and shoulders above of what they looked like last year. To your point there, David, they they can't possibly look worse. I'm I'm a big believer in Dougie. I I like Trevor. Woods. I like the development, but you, you add a you know you add a Pro Bowl guard. You got a couple of receivers to add to his core there. Let's see what the defense is looking like. I know you had lost Miles Jack to the Steelers. You got the NFC West. You got Philly. You got you got Baltimore. But a couple of those coin flip games is two against Houston, the New York teams, as well as Detroit. Those can really go either way. We'll see what what those teams are looking like at that respected time. Right now, we're riding the under, but just barely uh, at what six? Yeah, I got him at six again. The coin flips are throwing me off. I'm actually way under, like David. I'm I'm at four and thirteen as well. I know they brought in a lot of big names, but it also like kind of neglects the fact that they lost three contributing veterans to this team in Andrew Norwell, Miles Jack, and DJ Shark. Yeah, they replaced those guys with their free agent acquisitions. I just don't think that they're, first of all, is much of a, an improvement if there is one at all at those positions. Trevor Lawrence is going to have to take a, di- a big step this year. And thank God for him. He has the coaching staff to do it. I just think that you're going to have some growing pains still, even if there are those moments where you think Trevor Lawrence could be the future, he's going to make mistakes. Last year, he was terrible because of the system he was in. I think the biggest thing you look at this year, if you're a Jaguars fan, is you pray to God Lawrence improves in effectively three first-round picks in Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, and last year's first, Travis Etienne, all at least look like they're going to contribute to the rebuild. Your point on Trevor Lawrence, I think – Real, realistically, this year is his actual rookie season. You got to hope that he didn't develop some bad habits under Urban Meyer and that, that you know, colossal shit show, especially with footwork and stuff like that. That's real hard to come back from. But I look at this season as his real rookie season, and you're probably going to see the same kind of, you know, growing pains you're mentioning. Um, but, you know, like you would have expected last year out of him, right? And nobody expected him to be as bad as he was last year, but He's not going to be great. I don't think he's going to be great this year. I think it's basically his rookie season because now he is a real NFL coach and and a real system, but I don't think it's great. Way to throw that beer back, Wally. You look like a Houston, you look you look like a Houston Texans fan who's the next year on our list. Their over-under is a joke. Four and a half. The Detroit Lions of, of last year. Wally, who are you taking? Over under. First of all, I'm taking the way under. Uh, I'm really grossed out by this roster. I like Davis Mills. I just think that he's walking into a situation that he's doomed to fail in. Last year, he overcame it. This year, they're not better. It's the exact same offense. They didn't add anything except for John Mechie third, who unfortunately for him is not going to play this year and might not play next year. We don't know how that's going to go. I feel terrible for fans of Houston because this is kind of turning into the running circus or the new circus in the NFL. It's a poorly run team. It's a team that fired their coach last year because they thought they were going to be able to lure in some big name, then got caught up in the Brian Flores suckle, and then were obligated to give Lovey Smith the job. Good for Lovey Smith for getting another opportunity, but he's 10 years past his coaching prime at least. He was bad at Illinois in the last decade. So good luck to them. I have them, again, 1-16, in 16 and I I went through this list. I don't know how you can find five wins. If you guys, either one of you have it, I would love 
to hear the five teams you got. I don't have five wins. I have I have them at three and fourteen. I don't think they're better or worse than they were last year. Um, I, I they'll probably lose one more game, let's say. But I think three and fourteen. I, you got to be. I've said this. You know, Wally's heard me say it before. But during the Hugh Jackson years of the Browns, I I kept saying this over and over. You have to try to be as bad as Hugh Jackson was as a coach. There were there are, were three or four winnable games uh, every, each year. They went 0-16 and 1-15. There were winnable games, like four or five, three or four, something like that, and we always lost them. So you got to be exceptionally, exceptionally bad to go 1-16 in the NFL because there's always going to be the random game. Like, do they play the Bills? Maybe that's the game Josh Allen shits the bed. But, I, I you know, there's always going to be random games, but more than three, I don't see it. I, I have them three at 14. I am so happy, Wally, that you're on the one and 16 train because I was going in between one wins, two wins. This team is bad. It's not, it's not that they're better or worse. Everyone else in the division got better. Well, you can argue for Tennessee, but the Colts are better. The Jags are going to be better. And if the Jags are going to be better than anyone, I mean, that's how bad you are. I mean, you're going to open up with the Colts, Denver. Bears, okay, they, they should be able to beat the Bears. Lovey Smith is getting a little revenge to his old NFL team here. You just had to get that shot in at the Bears. I, I like that. I respect it. Oh, this is an anti-Bears uh, anti uh, cast, my dude. Chargers, Jags, Raiders, Titans, Philly. I mean, my goodness. I didn't even get to the Browns and, and the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Come on. The Browns I, will I be the loss. You watch that happen because of the Deshaun Watson stuff. That'll be the game that the the Texans find a way to win, just because there would be a million and four stories come out of it. Yeah, those are very fun games to bet because there's like the emotional point. There's some of those guys I'm sure that were on that team that maybe they feel like Deshaun, maybe they were guilty. Maybe he knew. Maybe they were never called upon. Maybe they just are holding hatred towards him because they felt like they gave up. You know, he gave up and you know their time, and they just sat there to literally rot in that Houston Texans hell. Under, I can barely see them winning two games. This, you should be able to print money off this bet like the Los Angeles Rams. Indianapolis Colts coming out for blood this year, maybe a little bit. Their over under is set at nine and a half. They had such a heartbreaking year last year. They got the upgrade with Matt Ryan at quarterback after giving up on one year in the Carson Wentz project. Big question marks with the wide receiving core. That defense made some moves, getting Yannick Ngakwe. Getting rid of y your boy, Ra was it Rakia Sin? God, the best name in football. David, where are the Colts finishing, over or under the nine and a half? I have them at over. I have them at 12 and five, actually. I think they're going to be a very good team in the regular season. Matt Ryan's no joke. He's old, but he's going to get the job done. He's 10 times the quarterback Carson Wentz is, and he's got the experience. Um, and Gakwe and Gilmore are unbelievable additions to the defense uh even if you know that pass rush is is going to be sneaky good you know the secondary sneaky good it's just i think it's going to come together and they're going to win the division at 12 and 5 i'm as comfortable saying that they're going to win the division this year as i felt last year telling everybody to pump the brakes on the colts winning this division they were a year away they had carson went to quarterback I'm not exactly a big Matt Ryan supporter. However, he's an upgrade. And if he clicks right away, 
I think that they blow this over out of the water. I am at 11 and six just because they don't have to play anybody in week 18. Jonathan Taylor probably won't have to do as much. I love, like you both have mentioned, this pass rush. Bring in Unique and Gawkway. He was sneaky good last year, and I felt like he was buried behind Max Crosby, or at least people's perception was Max Crosby's the reason that the pass rush was better in Vegas. He was equally up to the task for that. You bring in Stephon Gilmore, who, yeah, he's a little banged up. He's getting older, but if you even get marginally like that high end of him, this is a defense that it's weird to say because we talked about Peyton Manning not having a defense his entire career, but this defense in the running game, is going to be what does it this year. And good for Matt Ryan, because as much as I like the dog him, he deserves this situation after his entire career. He deserves to have a Jonathan Taylor, to have a solid offensive line, to have a very good defense. They're not going to be as battle-tested when you get to the postseason. A lot of AFC teams will be. That's not necessarily a bad thing. There should be fresh. They should be loaded. And I would put a sneaky... This is kind of my AFC version of the Eagles where I wouldn't be shocked. If we are talking in February of a Colts-Eagles Super Bowl, I'm not going to be shocked at all. I think both of those teams are sneaky good and are going to really blow out the expectations of people out of the water. I'm going to go as far as Super Bowl. I think they have to go through a way bigger gauntlet than the Eagles are going to have to in the NFC, but that's a different conversation for a, you know, for a different episode. This is the Colts' time to shine, though. They – We've, we've all mentioned the veterans that they've added. They can kind of pick up right where they left off last year, minus the Jacksonville game. Three of the first four games are within the division, so they can get a stranglehold on that division with the Chiefs sprinkled in. So three and one, potentially, just going into week five. And then week six, you even play the Jags for the second time again. If you go in there three and four and one, four and oh in the division, you're going to be sitting pretty. Fun fact, the Colts, they haven't beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. They've been outscored 208 to 104. Average margin of loss is 14.8 points. The reason I'm saying that is because week two, they play in Duval. A lot of those people on the team last year and still have that sour taste. It's almost like getting the first monkey off your back on your path to potentially Super Bowl run, like Wally said, of being able to beat Jacksonville early, get that momentum, early to really get those gears start turning for that offense. I'm taking that over. I'm on the 12 and five train. I like what this team has done. They added the most important position, got it upgraded again, question marks are the wide receivers, but it's Matt Ryan. He's going to be able to deal with it with his running back deal. With not only Jonathan Taylor, you got Naheem Hines in there and come out of the backfield. He was extended last year. Oh no. I like what that team's doing. Watch out from the South. That was a hot point. I I actually really appreciated that. The Colts have not beaten the Jaguars in Jacksonville since 2014. That is a little crazy to think about. The Titans, though, I know they've had similar problems going to Indianapolis. They have never really seemed to get past them. Last year, they didn't have to. The Colts shot themselves in the foot enough. But this year, Vrabel and Cast, they're going in also with a total at nine and a half. Which surprised me. I'll keep you here real quick on this one. Throw it over. You guys already heard me mention. I think the Titans fall off. I think, in fact, I think they go off a cliff this year. They are now going to be replacing A.J. Brown in the ghost of Julio Jones with Traylon Burks, who going into camp, people have been saying that he is not in shape. 
that he doesn't look nearly as good as they thought. And he's a guy that they kind of wanted to be their own Debo Samuel, play in the backfield, play in the slot, play out wide. Ryan Tannehill isn't necessarily bad, but I think that you're going to have a fan base, especially after Malik Willis's preseason game against the Ravens. Wouldn't be shocked if this team is hovering around five and five and they think they're dead in the water if Mike Vrabel pulls the trigger and brings in Malik Willis. I'm going under, and actually, I'm going well under. I have this team going six and 11. David, you're shaking your head. You and I have been polar opposites on this team for two years. Tell me why I'm wrong now. I hate the Titans a lot, but I don't see the fall off. I don't see the cliff fall off. They get Derrick Henry back, who is who is their entire their entire offense surrounds him. And oh, by the way, without him, they went 11 and six last year. You tell me. I, I can't remember. So we're talking about a team that. Sure, they lost A.J. Brown. I'm not the biggest A.J. Brown guy. His production can be replaced by Robert Woods or, for that matter, anyone on that receiving core. I bet you can replace 80% or more of his production. And Austin Hooper can, without a doubt, replace Julio Jones' non-production there. Um, I think Harold Landry is a freakazoid, and I wanted him for the Browns in the later rounds, and we never could get him. But uh, I, I just, I don't see this team falling off. I don't see Mike Vrabel is as, is as Bill Belichick as Bill Belichick gets in a, an assistant, like in a coach, you know, like Walsh Jesuit alumni too there, Steven. Yeah. But he played under bill. He knows the coaching routine. He's not going to make rash decisions. Like I can't even name a rash decision he's made since he became a head coach. He is as steady as it gets. Uh, he's loved by his players. I don't think Malik Willis is going to come in because if you really watch him, he is still so raw in terms of his mechanics. So raw. His footwork is bad. It is very, very, very bad. And I don't think that he's, you know, I don't think Vrabel is going to make a rash decision to start him over Tannehill, who is slightly above average and not really going to get it done without talent around him. But they have plenty of talent around him. Uh, I, I have the Titans at 11 and 6. Uh, 10 and seven is probably the magic number, but I'm, I'm definitely taking the over. Give me that under get just by a little bit. I'm not going to go as brash as well. I have him at eight and nine Derek Henry. Let's see what he's going to look like. Yeah. We know, you know, this is what happens when we think about injured players, when they come back, it's like, it never happened. Let's see what he's, what he's actually going to look like with having those metal plates in his foot. Yeah. You know, AJ Brown, I'm a, I like AJ, but I agree with David. I think the production can be, replaced with Robert Woods, Trey Burks, Austin Hooper. You can also have Derrick Henry in the passing game there a little bit, but you know you're going to rush it. I'm not that high on Ryan Tannehill either, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off with this team last year. They were riding a high that just got bursted at home against Cincinnati. I don't think that they're going to be as strong, but I don't know. I've been wrong before. But I think I'm feeling pretty solid on this one with you, Wally. To David's point, Malik Willis, the press conference. Did you guys see what Vrabel said after Willis had a touchdown run the other day, scrambled, and Vrabel pulled him from the game, and it went high school coach mode and said, hey, you were brought in to pass. That might work right now. This is preseason. Like, sit your ass down. And I have a lot of respect for that. There is I – mean, Vrabel's a hell of a coach. There's no denying that. He's not going to go to him 
because the public wants him to, like other coaches might be pandered to, or GMs might tell the coach, you got to play him. Vrabel will go down with the ship. If he thinks Tannehill's the best to win the game, he doesn't give a shit. He will do what he thinks is best. That's who he is. My hang up is that like Derrick Henry is a year older. We don't know maybe after this new injury, if he's the same guy. And the only thing going back to the Vrabel thing, and then I'll move on. His teams are always tough though. Last year, I love to throw them on our rundown here so we can see, but last year they had the fifth ranked rushing offense in terms of yards. And they had the second fewest yards allowed on the defensive side of the ball. It is a very old school line of scrimmage approach. And that is awesome. You just need to have the quarterback play to do it. If Tannehill does it, there's a very good chance Steve and I are looking at David and saying we were morons here in about six months. I just don't think that it's going to happen. On to another quarterback that we really care about, David, is Baker Mayfield and his new team, the Carolina Panthers. Over under set at six and a half. You have to get it first. Not only is Baker Mayfield coming in, they got Austin Corbett coming in too. All kinds of Browns floating around. What are you thinking about the six and a half? You going over or are you going under? I'm going over, but I'm not going drastically over. I'm at eight and nine for the Panthers. I think Baker is very underrated and uh, he gets shit on by the media for all the wrong things. But, you know, I know my truth, as Wally would say. And uh, <laughs> I I love Baker. I think he's going to give them wins that they wouldn't have had with Darnold or whomever else is in that QB room. I think the addition of Austin Corbett is really interesting. An addition at punter is interesting because it's a great punter. I, I just – they didn't really add anything. But what I wouldn't fall back on, right? So So they lost Gilmore. Uh, and they lost what? Who they lose? Reddick too. That defense was low key, ungodly last year. Like before, some injuries took place. They were low key, ungodly good, um, especially in the secondary. And I think they'll still be very, very good. And I think they got an upgrade offensively with Baker. I think eight wins is a solid is a solid uh, stretch for me after looking at their schedule and just seeing well, what games are, are really 50-50 that they can pull and what games are, are surefire wins. I agree with you that with the over, and I felt almost low saying seven because, of, like you said, the defense was a lot better than people give them credit for last year. They are going to be a team that is in every game. If you told me, especially in a weak NFC, that they went nine and eight and made a wild card, I wouldn't at all be surprised. I think that that team is very capable of doing it. I had them at seven and 10, like I said, but that's more or less because of the the lack of youth that they brought in. They had a really young draft. Matt Corral was a part of it, ironically, getting the third day, but they aren't going to have anybody except Iki Iguanu probably playing. That's going to be really hard to overcome, especially as Baker likely is going to win that job his first year in the offense he's getting to know these guys i'm giving a little time i just hope panthers or as uh steven calls them the thurs give them a little bit of time it's got to keep pounding but the thurs i will never talk about dying on a hill i will never call them that that's the just the dumbest nickname i also have him at seven and ten while he just barely on the under you know you're going to get a solid three to four games with christian mccaffrey 
so you're good to go there. So those are wins. But like you guys were saying, Brian Burns, stud, J.C. Horn was out a lot of last year with a broken foot, if not all of it. He's going to be back. I, I like what that team is doing there. And if Matt Rule isn't really praised with a lot on the offensive side of the ball, but he is praised because over the last two years, he's been keeping these games close. He has been losing in one possession, but with just a carousel at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater, you got Cam Newton, P.J. Walker. I don't I even know who else that they brought in. I just stopped paying attention to to be honest with you, because those games are miserable if you're not a Panthers fan. I'm taking the over just barely. I'm also on your train, Wally. If I'm not surprised if this team makes a push for the wild card and what seems to be a really weak bottom half of the NFC, I'm not going to be surprised. We're going to go over now to Atlanta with the Falcons. This one, this one's tough. It's kind of, to me, it's one step ahead of the Houston Texans. The Falcons are, their total is set at four and a half. They're naturally, I don't even want to call it a quarterback competition, but they brought in Marcus Mariota to groom and buy time for Desmond Ritter to figure out what's going on there. Steven, we're going to, what, boomerang back to you here, get your takes on this. A lot of movement this offseason. I just don't see him getting a lot better. Over, under, four and a half. I have the over just barely. I'm at five and 12. Instead of the four and a half, that, that one's kind of teasing me. Let's see if Arthur Smith and Marcus Mariota can get their chemistry back, get that offense looking. I don't see score Daryl Patterson. Put some respect on his name. He should have been in the top 100. I love it. Uh, score, I don't think score Daryl Patterson is going to have that type of year. You, you lose Russell Gage. You're not going to have Calvin Ridley. I'm not too confident in what that offense has. And the defense, just the overall team, I'm not really that confident in. You don't have enough talent to scheme your way into wins offensively not to mention you have the nfc west you got half the afc west with the chargers and i want to say the raiders are on here too i know you at least have the chargers it looks ugly and i can see a lot of these i'm not surprised if they're going to be two and 15 three and three and 14 it's kind of a stretch with the five but i'm going to go with the over just slightly i gotta ride with my falcons dirty birds I don't see it. I have them three and 14. And that was one where I felt like I was almost being kind at points with the, the grading. I love Marcus Mariota as a backup quarterback. I even think he could be a low end starter, but in a situation, especially like this, where you have Calvin Ridley out for the year because of that bullshit suspension, Drake London's already banged up. We got to hope that he's not going to be dealing with that all year. There's a lot of problems with this offense. I don't think that it's going to go well. They're not going to score a lot of points. Even if the defense can be, I mean, a little better than last year, it's not going to be enough for more than a win or two more. I'm trying really hard to to find positives when I look at this Falcons team. And I think that they're just at the very beginning stages of a rebuild. And I think that they just got to buckle up because it's going to get ugly for a while. You know, what's interesting about about this whole rebuild, right, is – Signing Casey Hayward, who's a good corner to this team. I, I don't know why you'd waste the money because you lose some talent. You trade Matt Ryan, who will keep you competitive. I think Mariota is a career backup situational guy. I don't think he's I, – I, in fact, he probably adds their loss column more than their win column. They're definitely in rebuild mode. I just – I have them at four and 13. I have them as the under. And I, this is just my thing where 
three to four wins is like the bare minimum for me, unless you are so horrifically bad. Your roster has to be horrifically bad for me to think you're going to win two or fewer games, right? But like, you know, this could be the team. Right? Like this could be the team that proves me wrong. There's nothing there that that gets you excited with, with Ridley out. You know, Kyle Pitts, I, I like him. I think he'll be good. I don't think he's as good as people think he is right this second. But he's exciting. Ridley's exciting. But frankly, if I was Atlanta, I'd probably – I'd probably do anything I could to trade just about any talent left and accumulate draft picks and kind of send it like Sashi did with the Browns and just rebuild with picks, just rebuild and, and hope to God your picks pan out. Well, and poor Desmond Ritter too, because he's not even getting like a full season to start. There's a very real chance that he's thrown in in like November or even early December to get a few starts. He's not going to look good because the team around him is terrible. And if they are in my neighborhood, the three win team, he's basically playing to do his best to keep his team away from drafting his replacement because that's going to be what the, the, the finish line is. If I am an Atlanta Falcons fan and my team is two and 11, I don't want to win games. I want to lose. Desmond Ritter seems like a really good kid and who knows, maybe he proves us wrong. He's not going to be the guy to change the culture in Atlanta. It sucks to say he hasn't even played, but they're already looking to the CJ Strouds, the Bryce Youngs of the world. Look, there are only like three quarterbacks that I can think of off the top of my head who were drafted outside of the top 20 in the NFL draft who changed the culture and Tom Brady, one of them's Russell Wilson. And I don't even know if I had a third. Derek Carr. <clears throat> yeah, Derek Carr. Good point. Third. No, no, that's it. That's what was he third round or late second round no he was actually early is second but it doesn't matter it was like 37th or 30th pick was it i thought it was early third round so you know even even more so like those are the three quarterbacks right i i don't know if there's anyone else out there who i can think of that comes in and and changes the culture but let's be real all three of those guys came in day one ready to start and i don't think ritter's there so like I don't want to be that guy, but I can kind of confidently say that he's not that guy. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, this team's in full-blown rebuild. I don't even know why they bother drafting quarterback. Just sent draft defense. When you're in this position, just draft defense, build it up, hope your team wins, you know, three or four games, and then spend your next draft really rebuilding for your future. I, that's That's all I got. Not a lot of good there. New Orleans, though, at least they're kind of a mixed bag this year. Total wins, eight and a half. No Sean Payton. That's important to remember. Steven, we'll go to you first on this one. New head coach. Jameis is back, but you know that that's not exactly a marriage that's permanent. What do you make of this New Orleans Saints team? I still like them. I'm, I'm all over this over. I have them as a nine-win team. It's a top-five defense. Yeah, you're missing a couple stars, but you're returning, like I said, with Honey Badgers. You add a safety in Marcus May. Offensively, you you lose one of the best tackles in the league in Taron Armstead. But on the other side, you, you add Jarvis Landry. You, you draft Chris Olave. Michael Thomas is back. Like you said, Jameis Winston's back from the ACL. Let's see if they can replicate that first game, the opening game of last season against Green Bay throughout a few different games here this year. We saw him kind of be wishy-washy um, before Jameis did tear his ACL. They still have Tampa's number. There's a couple wins that are going to be clutch. Until proven otherwise, they have Tampa's number. 
I don't think they'll get the double digits, but I do like them with the over. So I'm gonna I'm hitting the Saints. Watch out for that defense. David, you have quite a hot take on this. Do you want to go first? Play I, a scorched earth New Orleans Saints thing here. I and hate let me my in? take. If it if it makes you feel better, I hate my take because I think it's a little low. Uh, but when I was going through the schedule again, I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm picking teams. And I'm like, I don't see them winning this game. I don't see them winning this game. I'm 50-50 on them and the, the Falcons. So, like, I had them split. I had them split with the Panthers, but then they're getting blown out by the Bucs. They're getting blown out by whoever else they're playing. Like, I just – this team, I don't know how – first of all, I don't know how they got back into range of the cap. I thought they were going to have to sell the whole freaking team. I thought they were going to have to move the team with how badly they were in in potential debt in their cap. But, you know, that's a miracle in and of itself. But uh, I, I think Sean Payton gone is a, like a real thing that people aren't talking about. Uh, Sean Payton largely looked at as like one of the top five coaches in the NFL while he was coaching, right? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but in, in my eyes, he was top five. Uh, I think he is an invaluable loss. And I don't think it like, I, I just don't think people are valuing it like they should, which is that he probably is responsible for, for three wins on a team like this, like legitimately three or four wins on a team like this, where he can scheme, he can coach, he can out coach another, another team. Right. I don't think Winston's the guy. I think he's good enough to win a couple games. I think he's good enough to win eight or nine games. If he's got the right talent around him, he probably does, but you know, you're investing cap, like, they have a boatload of cap invested in Michael Thomas. I haven't seen the guy played in three years. I, you know, who knows what he looks like if he's still even half the receiver he once was, if he's 80% great, like they're in a great spot, but who knows, right? Jarvis Landry is a great number three option. Uh, I like Alave there. I think Winston's going to go to him a lot, but they have a lot of cap invested in assets in that offense and almost nothing on defense. They like shed their defensive uh, assets to get under cap. Um, yeah, sure. They sign Matthew and Marcus May, but like, I don't know. Like, I just, it doesn't do it for me. I, I just, you know, losing Trey Hendrickson, losing, just losing various pieces of that defense. Sure. You still got, I think they still have Demario Davis at least, but I just, I'm not a believer in this team. I have them at three and 14. If I could go back and redo it, I'd probably have them at five and twelve. But I don't know where I'd I'd have them winning games. I I have them on the way under. I don't think this is. I don't think this is it. Three to five wins is there is where they're at. It's good that you're here because you kind of probably bridged us back to a middle ground on Sean Payton because we don't like Sean Payton or at least I don't like Sean Payton. And it's not like a, a Sean Payton problem. I just feel like he's overvalued. But it was for a period of time, but I don't think like, you know, you don't do what the Saints did for for 15 years without a good head coach. Like he's good. He wasn't what people wanted him to be. I feel like people wanted to put him on a like Belichickian like level or like one below. And I didn't feel that that was even close. See, I think he spent a couple of years with that Kyle Shanahan offensive guru treatment. That was probably a little much, but I still think, I, I think overall Sean Payton is, is rounded out your top five coaches in the league any given year. Some years, 
less than others, but you know, I, I, I just, I have a hard time selecting a lot of guys over him as a head coach. Well, and I think that it has to be said that even where I sit, going from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen is a huge deal. And yeah. Dennis Allen had only one head coaching tenure before this, and it was with the Raiders. He was a non-player friendly coach, or players did not like him. In a situation down there, there's a lot of big personalities on that Saints team on both sides of the ball. I know he's a defensive guy, but if they start losing games 17, 14, Dennis Allen's going to get some heat, not only from the press, not only from ownership, but from his players too. And who, it'll be interesting to see if he falls back into his old ways. The other thing I'd, I'd point out on this is that if Jameis gets hurt or if Jameis looks bad, I think the 3-14 and 14 play isn't that far off, David. Because this is a team that really didn't do much on offense. You brought in Olave. I like that they brought in uh, Trevor Penning too as well a later first round, I think with Northern Iowa, he was pretty uh, fun prospect to watch, but they didn't address anything else. I know that they are broke and it's amazing. They're even able to put a team like this out there, but I just, this saints team just seems destined to get built up by the media and to disappoint. I have them going under a long way to get there. I have them going under at eight and nine, perhaps if Steven's right and go nine and eight, they might be able to sneak in, but they're not anything. This is a purgatory team if there ever was one. Well, hey, uh, they went nine and eight last year with whatever quarterbacks that they were playing in between the four different. I can't, I can't remember their last quarterback that they started. Ian Trevor Simeon. Oh wait, was he? There's someone after him. Hand. I thought his last name was one of the like old Notre Dame. Oh, um, Ian Book. Book Hand. I'm a fucking moron. Uh, Trevor Simeon Book. You had Taysom Hill started there for like one or two games, didn't he? I don't know if you mentioned the Taysom Hill contract, David. Talk about a shitty contract that they're eating up right now. But th this was this was a team that was led by their defense. What we think a lot of these other teams maybe just don't have, they have that top five defense that can lead you to borderline winning record. And they just got knocked out of the playoffs, I want to say on the last day of the regular season. I like what they did. I have I have no doubt they could win eight or nine games. I just don't think they're going to put it all together with a new head coach. And, you know, Wally, I'd like to point out that they have the all-time locker room guy now in Jarvis Landry. And so it Great doesn't point. matter how shitty the head coach is. It's, it's a, he's the locker room guy. And you know what? Browns fans are probably Saints fans now because Jarvis Landry. $3 million a year. Yeah, right where he should be. Right exactly. where he should be. The you'd, whole you'd time be, he should have been there. You'd be carrying the water for Jarvis Landry if he was making $3 million a year in Cleveland. Oh, hell yeah. That's a great value for Jarvis Landry. <laughs> That's a $5 million a year guy. Oh, God. Well, we'll get to our last team here. We'll wrap up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team is going to be the one that I feel like most eyeballs go to. I think even more than the Super Bowl champs this year because it feels like it is Tom Brady's last year, whether it is or not. People are looking at it that way. The total win total is at 11 and a half. Ryan Jensen had what we believe to be a season-ending knee injury. That's a big deal. They decided to keep Jensen over the other offense or at least interior offensive line this offseason. What do you make of this team? 11 and a half is a big number. I, so I'm disgusted by this again, but I couldn't help myself going through the schedule and picking wins. Uh, I have them at 14 and three as the way over. 
And I, I have that because on paper, I even with the offensive line injuries, even with them, on paper, they're unbelievably loaded. And I just have, like, if you look at their schedule, I just have a hard time picking losses for that team. And they're going to have them. Like, let's be real. They're, they're probably going to go about 12 and 5. Like, I'm, I'm not accounting for some random loss somewhere. It's going to happen. But I, man, it's hard going through their schedule and going, yeah, that team is is definitely better and going to win that game, or that team is equivalent and going to win that game. Uh, like, I, I, it's just hard for me, especially. I have them going six and zero in the division. I don't. They're not going to. They're going to beat all three other teams by thirty points or more. Like this, <laughs> that division's bad, and and I, I don't stay at Lightning. They're bad. Six and zero in the division probably maybe they lose a divisional game and that's where I don't have the the loss marks but like I am disgusted by it because 14 and 3 isn't realistic but it's just what I have it's what I picked and I'll stick with it Steven I saw you head shaking back there and I think I know why 6-0 in division you love to point it out last year you're New Orleans Saints where do you have them at you they can't beat the Saints until proven otherwise and you know they did we forget about the Jets game that they almost blew? Shout out to my boy Antonio Brown. Oh, please get that man some help. Tom's potential last season, you add Julio, that's one of the guys on the paper that jumps off at you. They add Russell Gage from the rival Falcons. He's averaging just about 69 receptions. Nice. Uh, over 750 yards and about four touchdowns over the past two seasons. Even with the O-line injuries to the point, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. He will get the ball out quicker. They will make... He's running the offense. He will make it tick. He will get the ball out quicker if he needs to, to to the people that he needs to get the ball to. This defense adds Akeem Hicks. Yeah, I know you lost Indomitian Sue. Who cares? But they add Akeem Hicks to an already pretty damn good front seven. The secondary hopefully will not be as injured as it was last year. They have that sour taste. They got the Rams scheduled on their calendar probably twice because that's what how many times we're going to have to play them if they want to get to that Super Bowl. They're going to be hoisting it. It's Tom Brady's last season. Of course they're going to win it. 13-4, and four, nail that over. All right, we're all on the same page with the over, at least. Mine's a little boring. I did go 12-5. and five. But a couple of key notes. I'm going to start with the negatives and go positive. I mentioned a little before that this is an interior offensive line now, with, especially without Ryan Jensen. Very inexperienced. They do not really know each other well. And Tom Brady last year, struggled towards the end of the year when the offensive line started getting banged up a little. This is an offensive line now, left guard to right guard. Three players have never played together. Three guys that haven't played at least meaningful reps as a Buccaneer. Aaron Stinney, Robert Hainsey, Shaq Mason. This first four games of the Buccaneer schedule is very difficult. There is a world that they can lose any, if not three potentially for these games Dallas on the road when all off season we've been talking about how Dallas is dead in the water they're a nobody then the Saints we know for whatever reason have given Tom Brady fits as soon as he's got into that division and it's going to be down there in New Orleans then your Packers Steven come to town and then they the Buccaneers host the Kansas City Chiefs if this team goes one in three potentially 0-4 to start the year, you already know what's going to happen. You're going to have people in the media saying that Tom Brady's washed. 
you're going to say it's all on him and everybody's going to abandon ship. And even if they lose the first four games in this division or in this season, they'll win this division and they will have more than 10 wins. Can't bet against Tom Brady. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll leave it alone. I've been talking a lot. Julio Jones is the sexy wide receiver they brought in. Russell Gage will be much more impactful. And not only is he much more impactful, you take him from a division rival. So it's like killing two birds, one stone. If Tom Brady gets any time at all, he will have three 1,000-yard receivers and maybe a couple guys that are flirting around six, 700 yards. No reason to believe it can't be a crazy year. Wally. I couldn't agree more with you. Imagine if they do go on four and they just go on like a 12 game win streak and then they win and then they can just sit out last week. That could happen. Seriously. They could go on four and not lose another game the rest of the year. I wouldn't surprise me. And with that, that's going to bring us to another end of an episode of loss of down. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at loss of down and Twitter down underscore loss. Shout out to our sponsors, tabbies. Make sure to use promo code football for 20% off that order and free shipping, as well as Abby Turner Creative at abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, David, do we have any parting words for the listeners? I have a question for you guys. Just a, just a quick wow. one. I've been meaning – I've had this on the rundown. You, you two have to be tired of it. Nobody else at home knows. I've been wondering about this for the last two months, and I get pissed off every time. When you change the roll of toilet paper, what direction do you have it? Is it where – you have the peel facing you, or is the peel on the backside rolling down? What are we doing here? Peel is facing me. It, there's no other way you are wrong if you choose facing away from you. All right, Stephen, let's hear yours. You got to do the over. Wait, I, I heard there's some there's some signs to doing it. In the wait, wait, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear about the science. I need to know first of all what side you're talking about. Oh, it's over. I'm I'm pulling over. I'm not pulling under. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're looking at us. Yeah. Okay, okay. The three of us are on the right side of history then. Okay. When you go to somebody's house and you walk in to take a shit in their bathroom, like because I'm a good guest and I do that to make you know I'm comfortable in your home. If that toilet paper is facing the other way, I'm out of the house. Like that Look, is all that, that is, tells me. All that tells me is they're lazy and they don't care. They it, just don't. They don't you. care. That's that's it, all that tells me. They're lazy. They don't care. And they should. It's that, easy to, it's that easy to keep you away from my home? Yes, that's literally it. Literally, that's it. There's okay. nothing to it. Till next week, I'm changing the toilet well, yeah, paper you right now. you got to at least ask David. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm David, at least. Right, I'm changing that shit right now. See ya. <laughs> well, David, Steven, what about you guys? Anything crazy on your end going into the weekend? Philly Peppers, best concert ever by the best band ever. Can't fucking wait. I'm in the pit. I'm going to get after it. Oh, shit. Good for you. I'm boring as shit. I'm just going to a wedding and hanging out. Good for you, David. I, I much appreciate that kind of lifestyle. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, I feel like an asshole being excited for my activity. But you should. You should. Go flip your toilet paper. Yeah, I'm out. Till next week. <laughs>